0: Our first scripture reading is Acts 2, verses 1 through 21. When the day of Pentecost had come, and they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, uh, Cretans and Arabs. In In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds and powers. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, Let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of God. Our
1: second scripture reading is also found in the book of Acts. We fast forward from the day of Pentecost to Acts chapter 16 when Paul's getting in on the Acts, no pun intended. Acts 16 verses 6 through 10. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. When they had come opposite Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision. There stood a man of Macedonia pleading with him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen this vision, we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. All right, Sherry and Andy, let's name that tune time. And this is a more recent one, so I'm going to let Corey play too. More recent, I'm Andy, it's from the 80s. Late 80s. late 80s, late 80s, late 80s. She's got a smile, it seems to me, reminds me of childhood memories where everything was as fresh as the bright blue sky. Now and then when I see her face, she takes me away to that special place and if I'd stare too long, I'd probably break down Sweet child of my Corey got it. I'm impressed. Okay, Sherry, did you? Were, you were it. singing it, okay? Yeah, sweet. <laughs> All All Guns and Roses, and, 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 Guns and Roses from their first album, 1988. When the band recorded the demos with their producer, the producer suggested adding a breakdown at the Song's end Now, if, if you're like me, I, I was thinking that a breakdown might have meant some kind of break dance or something, but that, no, a breakdown is when various instruments do solos at the end of a song, kind of like we heard Tuesday night with Chicago in concert at the Orpheum, which was just really awesome. Uh, the musicians agreed, but were not sure what to do, and so listening to the demo in a loop, Axel Rose started saying to himself, where do we go? Where do we go now? And the producer suggested that he sing that. And so if you've heard the song, you will recognize the question, where do we go now, about a thousand times before the song ends. An interesting way to to be creative. Okay, where do we go? And an interesting question to ponder. Where do we go now? You may have noticed that I have a crumpled wad of duct tape up here with me. And it is duct tape with a little bit of gravel embedded. And it's got, uh, the, the, this is the wrapper from the duct tape. I don't really know how that got all twisted in there with it. But uh, there is a story behind this wad of duct tape. Where do we go now? Well, the plan was for Martha and Laura and me to go to Rachel's house Friday a week ago. We were going to spend the night with Rachel that Friday night and go on to Martha's parents Saturday to celebrate her father's 94th birthday. Laura and I picked up Martha in Sinatobia after the GED graduation Friday at Northwest. It was kind of late Friday night, and we headed toward Louisville, down I-55. On the way, just north of Grenada, boom, I was driving. And I ran over a large portion of a tire in the middle of the road. It's like a big portion of an 18-wheeler tire. And it was just one of those situations where there was absolutely nothing to do about it. I mean, it was dark. The tire was dark. And it's like, there it is, okay? I can't swerve. If you swerve, you're going to fall over. And I didn't even know about other cars around me. Nothing else to do. Take your lumps and run over it. So, boom, ran over it going 70 miles an hour and we thought it had passed under us and we had left it. <laughs> so we go on down past Grenada and we're just cruising, everything's fine. And we were going to get off at Winona, Highway 82 and head over to Starkville and into Louisville. And so when we got off the interstate at Winona, we heard a <coughs> under the car. It's like, "Oh, oh no <laughs> the tire is st- the tire's still there just know it we're dragging we've been dragging this tire for 20 miles so we pulled into a convenience store and it's dark and I'm just a little bit upset and uh, <laughs> I get out to look and it's like you know I don't I'm not typically one getting down on my hands and knees to look under the car and so I'm doing that and you know it's like you know, laying down on the the pavement and everything at the convenience store, and I did, in fact, see something under there, Uh, but it wasn't the tire that we were dragging. It was part of the car that we were dragging, and it's like, you've got to be kidding me. I call it the undercarriage. The, The mechanic called it a dust cover. It felt like felt on one side, but it was very sturdy, of course. I mean, it's on the car, and and it's kind of hard on the other side. And um, I tell you what, whatever it's called, the tire ripped it from its bolts, and it peeled it back like the lid on a can of sardines. I mean, it just, just peeled back. Oh, my goodness. So, smart Chuck. I decide, well, we can try to get this thing back the way it's supposed to be. And since it's been rolled back, I'm just going to back up and unroll it. And I did, and it unrolled. It did. I was able to pull it back. And then I thought, I can't do anything with this. So I went to the convenience store thinking I could buy something that would help me get this piece of my car put back where it was supposed to be. It was one of those convenience stores that had nothing, zero. I mean, it's like just had a bunch of snacks and drinks. That was it. There's just nothing in this place. So I come back out. It's like, no, nothing in there. And so, But there was a Love's gas station on the other side of the interstate. So, you know, instead of driving the car backwards, which would have kept it the way it was supposed to be, I had to go forward again, which means it's going to re-roll itself. And so, and so we dragged and limped across the interstate to the love station, got in the parking lot, went inside, and uh, they had a lot of stuff in there. They did, they did. There's a $10 roll of duct tape and a $10 utility knife. Andy, this is is pretty cool now. $10 utility knife, I'm gonna keep that now. And uh, so I spent 20 bucks and I got me a utility knife and duct tape. I said, well, I ought to be able to do something with this. Okay. I know wire or anything like that in there either, so I came back out armed with my duct tape and my utility knife. And um, I looked at it again, and it was after nine o'clock, Friday night, I said, you know what, I'm not gonna be able to do anything to this tonight. Just not gonna be able to. So we decided we're gonna stay in Winona Friday night. So we limped to a motel, (laughs) to the motel, Uh, where there were several folks outside the lobby who clued me in to the fact that I was dragging something under my car. It's like, thank you, thank you, thank you, you know. And these dudes out there looking under my car, and I'm in there checking in, and they're out there, and one guy walks in and says, man, you got something under your car. And I said, thank you, thank you, I appreciate it, thank you very much. I, I really do appreciate you letting me know. Trying not to roll my eyes as I made a reservation for one night. I told the nice lady at the counter of America's Best Inn and Suites, uh, Holiday Inn Express was full. That was our first choice, so we had to limp from there to America's Best Inn and Suites. Told her we were having car trouble, but we're trying to get it to the Four Place in Winona the following morning. And she said, "Winona don't have a Four Place." <laughs> and I told her in a nice tone that my wife had looked it up online, and that. <laughs> Apparently you do, and she said that place has been gone for years, and it just kind of set her off on why they closed the place down and all the jobs, and it's like, okay, thank you, okay, it's not there, not there. Okay, so she told me about a service station in downtown Winona with real nice people. We stayed the night in Winona. I went and found, went and put a dollar in the Coke machine to get me a Coke. That's what I always like to do when I stay at a motel. So I got up early the next morning with duct tape and utility knife in hand. And I decided, you know, I went and I looked at it again. I thought, I'm just gonna duct tape this dude and get it to the gas station. So I'm talking about it in redneck fashion, people. I had the front end of the car, Martha's car, duct taped with the, trying to pull that bottom up and duct tape it all over and uh, pulled out of the, the, the motel, no scraping, it's like, yes. And so I just went really slow and made a lot of people mad as I got down to the service station, got to the station at seven o'clock Saturday morning. It was open. The garage doors were up, and I'm going, yes, there was an older gentleman providing full service, folks. I'm talking about windshield, doing the windshield, checking the oil for people. I had not seen a full service gas station in a long time. It brought back memories from my childhood. I mean, it had the little things that you run over, ding, 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 you run over them, and the guy comes out, and and I, it, it, was, it was like, wow, this is a blast from the past. And so I told the man my problem and asked if he had anyone who could take a look at it. And this was his reply. Well, I've been in Florida for a week, and I just got back, and I know that we have somebody that comes to the shop once a month on Saturday, and I think this is his Saturday to be here. Well, I, you know, I just really, it's like you're kidding. And, and, and Andy, I immediately felt like the traveler in the Andy Griffith episode who, stop, who stopped in Mayberry, Malcolm Tucker stopped in Mayberry and was very impatient to get his car fixed on a Sunday. And it was not going to happen on a Sunday in Mayberry. In fact, the gas station reminded me of Wally's. I'm telling you, I pulled into Wally's that Saturday morning, okay? And um, told the guy, I said, well, I duct taped it to get it here. And he said, duct tape ain't gonna work on that. And it's like, Thank you, you know. I, and I, he said the mechanic should be there around 7:30. And I'm thinking, if this is his weekend, if it's not, well, you know. So I decided to wait in my car instead of limping back to the motel. And so I went back to the car and looked down below, and sure enough, the duct tape had fallen off. I mean, it had fallen all the way back down. It was all the duct tape was there. It is. And and so I just sat in the car and and I just watched for a, a, a half hour. Just watched, and I just watched this man do his magic. He knew everybody, knew all the customers. It's obvious he took great pride in everything he did. Even the washing of the windshield, I learned a new technique on washing the windshield to where it doesn't streak, and I've tried it already, and it works. And after the service, I'll tell you and tell you the secret. Uh, People came by, got free air when's the last time you saw a gas station with free air? I mean, it's just this hose that you might remember just with a little nozzle on the end to get free air as much as they want, okay? Um, people coming by asking, you know, were they open for an oil change and et cetera, and uh, I overheard this old gentleman telling one of them, well, a mechanic ought to be here probably 7.38, uh, 7.30 or 8, sometimes it's like, oh, I, I I'm going to be here all day, or I'm going to be here until they close, one or the other. At precisely 7.30, truck rolls up, a young man gets out and starts helping pump gas. After he helped a couple of folks, he didn't even talk to the older man. Came over, asked me what my problem was, I told him. He said, we can take care of that. Put the car on the rack, re-bolted the cover, and after consultation with the old man, charged me a grand total of $15. I said, well, let's go ahead and fill it up. You know, I kind of felt like I needed to give more than $15. and so. Uh, the name of the station was Lot's Exxon. And while the old man was filling it up, I asked if he was Mr. Lott. And he said no. That he had sold this gas station to a man who had been working for him since the other man was 12 years old. And that that man is now 42 and he has cancer. And the older man says, I'm just coming by to help out from time to time. I went inside to pay. There's no pay at the pump here. No pay at the pump. People were just giving cash and, and going on their way. They give the credit card, and he goes in to run it and come back, like in the olden days. Well, I go in to pay, and um, I noticed a big screen TV on the wall. I looked over, and I'm telling you, you can go to Winona, and you can ask this old man. A black and white Andy Griffith was playing. I, I almost fell out. It's like, are you kidding me? And it wasn't that episode, but uh, after regaining my composure, I just said, hey, you're watching my favorite TV show, too. And he said, yeah, that Barney's something else, isn't he? Where do we go now? Where do we go now? Just 12 hours earlier, we had no idea we would be spending the night in Winona that I would experience Wally's gas station. That I would be left alone to slow down and ponder that I would be able to sit there and reminisce and just watch this blast from the past and how easy everything seemed. Life is kind of like that, full of twists and turns, some of them unexpected. And as it happens, our Christian lives can be like that too. There are times when we might be asking ourselves, where do we go now? And on this Pentecost Sunday, I would submit to you the answer to where do we go now would be where the Spirit leads. The day of Pentecost as described in Acts 2, never ceases to amaze and entertain me. I truly cannot imagine what it must have been like. In Acts 1, we note the ascension of Jesus had taken place. Then the 11 disciples, 12 minus Judas, went to Jerusalem, get together, got together with the women, Mary the mother of Jesus, Jesus' brothers. And they pretty much got down to business. They replaced Judas with Matthias, and then we move to Acts 2. The setting begins with the day of Pentecost and the festival that ensued. We've heard the story We've wondered what tongues of fire that rested on people must have looked like. We've heard about the blowing of the violent wind and the speaking in other languages as the Spirit led them. It must have been quite a scene. Such a scene, in fact, that some thought the disciples had had a little bit too much wine. And I just love the response from Peter, especially as I think of it being a teetotaler Peter says, There's no way they can be drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. Nobody gets drunk by 9 o'clock in the morning. You know, give them till 3 in the afternoon, might be something different. I, I don't know. I mean, that's the implication, okay? I just, I just love that line. It's like, why, why was that included? I just think it, was, it might have been included to make us laugh. And so the disciples had gathered in Jerusalem and were getting to the business at hand. And a question that had to come to their minds was where do we go now? What do we do? And they got their answer in a pretty dramatic way with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. From that point forward, it seems quite obvious that their answer to the question, where do we go now, would be, well, wherever the Spirit leads. That's where we go. So where did the Spirit lead them? Historians, From the day, give us some snapshots. Uh, Some of this is speculation. Um, Some of it's probably spot on. Uh, We read that Andrew became a missionary to modern day Georgia or Bulgaria, the area adjacent to the Black Sea near Turkey. He was martyred and crucified in the town of Achaia. Bartholomew became a missionary to India. He was martyred and crucified upside down in Armenia. James, the son of Alphaeus, remained in Jerusalem. He was a preacher there and was stoned to death by the Jews in Jerusalem and buried beside the temple. James, the son of Zebedee, became a local missionary in Judea. He was killed by Herod the Tetrarch and was buried there. John, the brother of James and son of Zebedee, is one of the few of the original apostles who was not martyred but apparently died of old age. Many scholars have him writing the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and some speculate that he wrote the Revelation as well. Matthew became a missionary to Parthia and also died of old age. Scholars typically assign him the authorship of the Gospel of Matthew. Simon Peter became a missionary to Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Batania, Italy, and Asia. He was martyred, crucified upside down in Rome. Philip became a missionary to Persia, modern-day Turkey, and was martyred and crucified there. Simon the Zealot became the Bishop of Jerusalem after James and died of old age. Thaddeus became a missionary to Edessa and to the surrounding Mesopotamian region, which would have included modern-day Iraq, Syria, Turkey, Iran. He died of old age. Thomas became a missionary to the Parthians and the Medes, and uh, the legend says that he was martyred by the spear in India. Matthias, the newcomer, became a local missionary in Jerusalem and died of old age. I include Paul in this list because we know of his extensive missionary travels and the fact that half the New Testament that we have, he wrote. um, And legend has it that he was martyred by beheading in Rome. So we have 11 disciples plus Matthias to replace Judas and Paul, 13. Out of 13, nine were martyrs. Four were local missionaries in Jerusalem and Judea. The rest were foreign missionaries, you might say, who left their local surroundings. Nine of them, of the 13, we might call church planters and foreign missionaries. And it's likely that all of them answered the question, where do we go now, by answering wherever the Spirit leads. And that's one reason I included the passage from Acts 16 today. I'm going to read it again, and I want you to listen for Paul's direction from the Spirit. The author writes, they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. We don't know why, but that's just what they felt the Spirit was leading them. When they had come opposite Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not allow them to do so. Passing by my view, they went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision. There stood a man of Macedonia pleading with him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. Being convinced by who? What? How? Well, being convinced through and by the Spirit. What a great example of Paul listening to the voice of the Spirit in his life. Now as we celebrate the day of Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit, folks, here's the good news today. That same Spirit that led Paul, the same Spirit that scattered the early disciples into various points of ministry, that same Spirit... Moves among us today. And everyone who calls himself or herself a follower of Christ has access to that very same Holy Spirit. And just like Paul and the others, we all can listen for the leading of the Spirit in our lives. So where do we go now? Well, that might get complicated sometimes, but the answer is really an easy one. As believers, we go where the Spirit leads. Let's pray.